Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to receive support from VCU Massey Cancer Center. Massey Cancer Center wants you to imagine a future without cancer. All it takes is one, a revolutionary idea, a promising clinical trial, or a new breakthrough. See how Massey is developing new approaches to prevent and treat cancer for every person in every community. Learn more about this future for everyone at MasseyCancerCenter.org. After the monuments, a real talk about race, Kelly Lemon, Michael Paul Williams. Again, we, we like to get into topics that Michael Paul is writing about, um, but also that are breaking news and that are happening not only here in the state of Virginia, but are affecting us nationwide. So, Michael Paul, recently the New York Times... Mm-hmm. Broke a story about one of our very big healthcare systems um, in Virginia um, called Bon Secours. Um, bon Secours um, happens to own Richmond Community Hospital, um, which is a hospital um, in Richmond that caters to the underserved. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with that. All right. Um, first, a little background on Richmond Community. Um, Richmond Community was a hospital founded by black doctors, by a group of black doctors back in 1907, um, back in the day. Um, you know, this was like a Jim Crow thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you were black in Richmond, even in my lifetime or into my lifetime, um, if you were... Um, sick and needed hospitalization, and you ended up at a white hospital, uh, you might um, find yourself in a basement Mm. of that hospital or in a segregated ward on a particular floor. And your doctor may not have access to that hospital, Um, may not be able to attend um, to you at that hospital. Mm. Um, So yeah, Richmond Community Hospital um, um, had a true function. Um, to treat um, black patients with dignity and black doctors with the dignity they weren't getting otherwise. Um, I I spent a night at Richmond Community, got my tonsils out when Mm -hmm. I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. See, I'm old too, (laughs) but old enough to remember this. When it was over um, in in a different part of town, Mm -hmm. um, it moved over to the East End, um, an underserved community to say uh, the least, and a predominantly black community, although it is gentrifying at the moment. But still, um, uh, the hospital is surrounded by public housing. Um, There's there's, uh, two large public housing developments within, I'd say, uh, certainly within a mile, um, one of them maybe a half mile away. Um, We know how black people of all incomes have disparate health outcomes, but this is especially the case in um, the East End. Um, which had, um, if I'm recalling correctly, an 81% higher mortality rate from COVID wow. um, than the rest of um, Richmond. Mm. So this is a place that desperately needs a fully functioning hospital, and it does not have a fully functioning hospital. Mm. Um, whatever Richmond Community Hospital was when it moved to the East End in um, 1980, or when it was taken over by Bon Secours in 1995, um, it is, um, as the New York Times described it, hollowed out. Uh, it has no intensive care unit. Um, it has no staff to treat um, um, 
maladies affecting the lungs and kidneys. Um, it is basically um, a, a strapped emergency room um, and a place with a behavioral health function. Mm. Um, uh, the, the Times described it as basically like a, an urgent care clinic. Um, it, it's no place that even people who live near it um, uh, trust when they're in a health crisis. Wow. And um, the Times had some examples of people who, um, at least one person who died, um, uh, and, and just the deficits of the hospital were implicated mm-hmm. um, uh, in that article. Uh, meanwhile, Bon Secours, its owner, has invested heavily in suburban Richmond, um, in Midlothian, at its St. Francis Hospital, and at um, Richmond Memorial Regional Hospital out in Hanover County. Mm -hmm. Um, It says, it it is said in its pushback that it's spent millions um, relative to um, uh, Richmond community, but it's hard to see. Um, They are building a, a medical building across the street, but that's nine years later than they agreed to as part of a deal um, involving the training camp for the team now known as the Washington Commanders. Um, They were known as a racial slur before that I won't even (laughs) repeat. Um, uh, A bad deal at the time uh, that uh, landed uh, Bon Secure, a very valuable piece of real estate, in the western part of the city that now has um, luxury apartments and a mixed-use restaurant. Um, people at Community and lots of people in the New York Times article were, uh, who were interviewed were uh, affiliated with the hospital at one time or um, executives um, getting a short shrift. Mm. And um, you know, it, it kind of speaks to the systemic racism that permeates the healthcare system yeah. for us from the cradle to the grave and before the cradle, um, given the, the mortality rates of, of black women yeah. of all incomes um, uh, in, in giving birth. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're a people in a community, uh, and we had Linda Velarosa here talking about yeah. how racism itself is exacting a toll on our health. Yeah. Um, and this is not just a, a, a metaphorical thing or it's, 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 it, there's science behind that statement that, that racism is killing us and um, add poverty to the mix. And we are people in desperate need of intense health care and we are getting the opposite of that in East End of Richmond. I'm also, well, I also heard in the readings that they got huge grants for um, medicine, for for pharmacy medicine, yeah, yeah. and then they didn't use those grants towards Richmond Community Hospital. Yeah. They put them on at the other hospitals, and then charged more money for the reduced <laughs> medicine that they yeah. were getting. Yeah, that's that's a bait bait and switch that's happening in in other fields that we'll we'll go into later. Mm-hmm. But because of the poverty. Um, that surrounds Richmond Community Hospital, um, that hospital received um, deeply discounted um, medicine, um, pharmaceuticals. Um, But 
And, and, and that, as a result, was, according to the Times, the most profitable um, hospital um, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. But instead of that money being reinvested into that hospital, yeah. it became just pure profit for Bon Secours that, that critics are saying was not nearly reinvested mm-hmm. into the facility that was generating all this, all this profit. Um, we have a story in today's Times Dispatch in, in, in which um, uh, readers are, were learned that um, Virginia Commonwealth University, which might be viewed as a competitor um, with Bond Secure in the healthcare field, yeah. um, another Richmond-based health system, um, made an offer, wanted yeah. the Richmond Community Hospital property because um, – its downtown hospital had as many or more patients than it could handle, and it wanted a place where it could, you know, provide some relief. Mm-hmm. And um, they are saying they were turned down because, um, in so many words, Bond Secure didn't want to give up they that cash give, cow. I was about to say, money is money. <laughs> they didn't want to give up that money, yeah. So it's, it's all about money. Yeah. Um, you know, as I, I talked to um, Leonard Edlow, a longtime pharmacist in mm-hmm. Richmond, mm-hmm. Um, and um, he, um, who was very well acquainted with um, just how the system works, this federal program that you know allows for the discounts, and also just the Richmond Community Hospital itself. He's born there. Mm-hmm. Um, said that it's just about the suits. You know, yeah. the suits are running healthcare now. I, I actually, uh, Hope Pharmacy, which is in the market um, at 25th, in the same area that we're talking about, mm-hmm. the only black-owned pharmacy in, I, I want to say the state of Virginia, but she also was dealing with challenges, um, with funding, with, you know, just getting resources, you know, all, all of the th- her clientele, making sure that people knew to come to her. Um, and it, it is just odd that she was right there to provide these services, but we're still getting the runaround of how to do so. Yeah. yeah. And that market, the only full-service market <laughs> in the East End the East of, End. of Richmond, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, speaks to another, you know, just the lack of access to healthy food. Yeah. I was very um, surprised yesterday as well when I saw that Richmond Mayor LeVar Stoney has also jumped into this conversation. What is what is the city's role in this? Um, you know, he he's talked. I, I think I saw a lawsuit or you know something like that. How, how far does that play out? Do you think? Uh, I don't know how far it'll play out. It makes for it makes for effective politics, mm-hmm. or, or I should say, convenient politics mm-hmm. to say the least. I mean, that's 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 like a softball high and over the plate <laughs> <laughs> for any mayor to hit out. You know, because yeah. it's it's just it's such an obvious. Uh, it, it's it's heinous what's yeah. happening, and um, but you know I'm recalling um, you know this is a federal program mm-hmm. that should be federally regulated, but apparently there are um, loopholes, and um, I'm, I saw recalling a quote from like a state um, lawmaker saying, "Hey, that's that's a federal program." You know, it's kind of like that ain't, that ain't on us. Yeah. And it's certainly not a city program. So any, any component that addresses this has to occur on the federal level. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much power the mayor of Richmond or the city of Richmond has in this matter. It, it, it needs 
enhanced federal oversight um, so that hospital systems cannot game the system um, to um, enhance their profits. We seem to gloss over things quickly. How, 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 how much legs do you think this story is going to have? We know Bonds, of course, has made a statement, correct? Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen next? I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, this seems like a time where I can segue to what's happening in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, this is national news um, also, um, where um, welfare money, intended to help the most desperate citizens in what's arguably, and I'm only saying arguably as a slight hedge, is the most desperate state in the, in the nation. Yeah. Certainly um, has more than its share of impoverished people. Um, I might add, has the um, largest, by percentage, black population uh, of any state in the nation. And, and we uh, just talked about their water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jackson, Mississippi. We just talked about the water. You know, yeah. they were they were for a long time without. You know, they wanted to under a boil order for their drinking water. And um, the instead of going to the people who desperately needed this money, that the the welfare money as it trickled into Mississippi from the federal government was being misappropriated and misdirected toward all sorts of bogus projects. Um, Brett Favre, the former pro football quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Um, There's a series of text messages that have been uh, discovered in which he's lobbying um, for money that he claims he did not know um, uh, the source of it, that that the text messages suggest that that's not terribly credible. Mm. Um, He's lobbying for a volleyball facility at his alma mater, Ole Miss, I mean Southern Miss, mm-hmm. and his daughter at the time was on the volleyball team there, and they built a new volleyball uh, uh, arena. Mm. Um, they were, you know, he had some other projects he was involved in where it, it seemed like this money was viewed as kind of a slush fund, yeah. where you know uh, people would use it for all sorts of things that had nothing to do with assisting the impoverished. And again, um, federal monies. Um, not nearly enough federal oversight. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it's like the COVID money. It, it just <laughs> the, the, just a lot of it did not get to the places where it was needed the most and where it was intended. And then hands uh, just got slapped on it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it depends on who you yeah. are because some people are actually going to jail for the PPP money. Yeah. And then others. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 been pointed out that you know. It's more than a slap on the wrist when when people are caught abusing those funds um, who need them the most or who are on the low end of the economic spectrum. Yeah. But, you know, no. what's what's Brett Favre's? Where's the accountability where the Brett Favre's of the world are concerned? Mm. Or the former governor of Mississippi who was apparently aiding and abetting um, this. it's, it's, It's just how the criminal justice system um, and how the legal system seems to work in this country. Yeah. Um, just the lack of accountability. Um, uh, it's like, I'm not going to say it's like, the system's not designed mm-hmm. <laughs> to punish those folks. Yeah. It's designed to grab the low-hanging fruit without um, the resources to have 
expensive lawyers to keep them out of the Huzga. Well, you know, we, we're, we're talking about health and we're talking about disparities in race. Michael Paul Williams writes a column um, every two, twice a week within um, Richmond.com and in the RTD, which is the Richmond Times Dispatch. Um, and locally here in Richmond, um, we have some burial grounds that have been coming up in the news. How long now, Michael? Probably over the last, I'm, what, I'm, 10 years I, at I've least? Been, I've been writing about them, I'd say, at least for 20. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell, talk a little bit about like how we can't get good health care and then we probably can't yeah. get buried anywhere. Yeah, yeah I said, I said we, you know, inequity follows us yeah. from before birth Bef- yeah. to the grave. It follows us into the grave. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have cemeteries in Richmond. Um, that um, have been long neglected because of lack of perpetual care. Mm -hmm. Um, These cemeteries, some of them contain um, some of the, um, some of Richmond's um, uh, uh, historic um, uh, esteemed figures, such as Maggie Walker, Um, first um, African-American woman to charter bank in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, they have um, the perpetual care, the lack of resources to care for them resulted in, in, in hard conditions there. there. There was vandalism. There was grave robbing. Mm-hmm. Um, people could not find their loved ones. And um, volunteers have valiantly tried to stave this off over the years, yeah. um, volunteering their efforts to clear out the cemetery and, and whatnot. And it looked like a few years ago that um, um, we, we got the state to pitch in some money, and it looked like there was at least um, a rainbow yeah. in sight. Yeah. And um, in no August, pot of gold, though. There yeah, was no yeah, pot of gold well, at the end of that rainbow. Yeah, 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 yeah. If there was a pot of gold, somebody stole it. <laughs> they stole, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, an organization called Enrichment, a nonprofit called Enrichment, um, was put in charge of the, this, what you might call a cemetery preservation effort. And this was an organization that really had no experience in this. Mm-hmm. And there were people who, volunteers, who questioned this mightily yeah. um, over the years. Well, Enrichment dissolved a few months ago. And um, Enrichment not only was um, overseeing and and entrusted with um, the um, restoration, uh, preservation of cemeteries such as East End and Evergreen, but it was also the fiscal agent for uh, more than 100 um, local Richmond organizations. And not only are the cemeteries kind of up in the air right now, but these other these fiscal organi- these these other nonprofits locally have no idea where the money that they entrusted in Richmond with mm. went, mm. and they're not getting any answers. And one lawyer was in charge of the dissolution, and he um, and that they walked away from it. Said this is this is more than we basically bargained for or whatever, mm. and then there's another law firm involved, and people just aren't getting any answers, and there seems to be no accountability. Yeah. We have people calling for um, the city to take over the cemeteries, but it's just just yet another situation. We're talking millions of dollars, yeah. 
And um, again, you know, how do you whether, just dissolve yeah, though? Yeah. Like, how do you just go away? Yeah. Like, <laughs> whether it's misfeasance, malfeasance, whatever. Someone, I mean, someone needs to catch a case. Yeah, that, yeah, that <laughs> part. Yeah, yeah. If we don't get any sort of answers, you can't just walk away with so much money. You just can't dissolve and and no one know what happened to the money. And and money that people, you know, that organizations, little nonprofits entrusted you with because that's basically your reason for existence. Yeah. Um, you know, to handle the money of these organizations and then you dissolve and there are no answers as to where the money went. Mm-hmm. That's that's just that's unacceptable. Have the friends of the East End have they jumped in? They were also an organization that was trying to make sure that these burial grounds were um, taken care of. Yeah, yeah. They, have, yeah they, have they jumped in? Yeah, they've they've been involved all along. Yeah. They never. And, yeah. and we should have listened. Should have listened to friends of East End. They yeah. never. They never trusted in Richmond to do the right thing. Yeah. And, and and going back to in Richmond's unwillingness to to give Friends of East End any real um, oversight role, yeah, um, with teeth, yeah. um, they were they were prophets. They they saw it coming. Um, but in in my heart goes out to all these, you know, organizations, all these, you know, dozens, yeah. you know, over a hundred local organizations that are, you know, they, they aren't moneyed. They don't have money to throw away, and they're like, we gave you this money to, we entrust, we trusted you with this money, and now we have no answers. Yeah. That's unacceptable. Someone, there needs to be, you know, I don't know if anyone's filed charges or not. Someone needs to file charges. Yeah. And it, it, it just, it's, it's, it's crazy. But the cemetery piece, you know, we have, uh, there's just a disgraceful history of disparity um, where, how the dead are treated in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Hollywood Cemetery, mm-hmm. one of the one of the most beautiful cemeteries I'd say in the country. Um, a place that um, houses uh, Confederate dead, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, high-profile historic figures overlooking the James River. Uh, a place that wants for no resources. Um, we have. The, two, the black cemeteries we've described, like East End and, and Evergreen, mm-hmm. um, where um, venerable black figures have been um, placed in a setting um, that at one time was, you know, I'm sure they viewed it as, well, this is our version of Hollywood Cemetery, mm-hmm. but it fell over the decades um, into a level of disrepair. And then we have... Um, places like um, the burial ground in Shaco Bottom, and we have Shaco Hill African burying ground that were eradicated without a trace. Yeah. Um, they were robbed. They're, they're, the graves were robbed mm-hmm. um, by uh, medical students at the former medical college of Virginia. Um, not by them. They, they they had a grave robber mm-hmm. um, in in their in their service. Um, they had a would, grave robber in their service yeah. like that. that yeah. just, who would bring uh. them bodies that they would um, you know use as part of their medical training? Mm. Um, that's just a, a, a part of Richmond history that um, is 
disgraceful and, and, and hence been acknowledged. I was about to say, VCU just apologized for that recently, correct? Yes. Okay. It was a heart. It, it seemed like they were very specific on what they apologized yeah, for. Yeah, well, the heart and then the bones. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. <laughs> okay. And, um... But yeah, we have um, Shaco Hill, which just recently was recognized as a historic site. Uh, all that sits there now is an abandoned gas station. Yeah, that was one of the largest burial grounds for Black people in the country. Twenty two thousand. Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Um, yeah. People buried there, um, free and enslaved. Yeah. Um, and that site is also in jeopardy right now. With well, the discussion of uh, the uh, the high, high speed, speed the high speed rail, yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. it just the the desecration just keeps on the hits just keep on coming when it comes to the desecration of our history. But again, no accountability then, um, no accountability now. Yeah, um, you know this is you know the monuments come down. Yeah. But the spirit of the monuments remains. Yeah. Um, you can find any information about all of the things we just talked about at Richmond.com. Make sure you just type in Michael Paul Williams, find his columns. Um, and, you know, we've covered this. You know, I've, I've often, and I don't know if I've talked about this on here or not, but, you know, we've been around for 170 years. You know, this, this paper has been. Um, and so... We really get to go back in the archives because we were there when it was first written about. But again, this podcast is so powerful because we're still talking about it right now. We st- we got the references from then and how you can quote those things from then and bring it into yeah, now. I mean, those, yeah. those who don't know their history or acknowledge their history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, and we 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 live that every day in Richmond. Um, you know, yeah, we we've made some progress, but yeah, and and we look at this hospital situation, and it's just, and 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 these other, the other situations we're talking about, and it's just it's like an endless loop. Yeah, of of disparity and despair and inequity. Yeah, um, it's about to be November soon, so election time is always happening in the state of Virginia. We're already we're always voting for something mm-hmm. around here. Um, Richmond doesn't have anything too um, powerful. However, um, there has been some stance in the state of Virginia as um, some youth have taken mm-hmm. <laughs> their lives in their own hands. And um, this week, over 100 schools in the state of Virginia walked out um, of their um, classes or out of school in protest for Governor Yunkin's transgender policies. Oh, Michael and I, Paul. And, and I applaud them. Yeah. Um, in the spirit of Barbara Johns. Yeah. Um, the schoolgirl in Prince Edward County who um, in 1951 led a walkout of her school um, uh, which um, included tar paper shacks mm. and other vestiges of a thoroughly separate and unequal educational facility, and um, uh, led a boycott and 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 jump started a lawsuit that would become part of Brown versus Board of Education. Yeah. 
So um, there's there's a history to this. Mm. Um, we need to listen. You know, I think we, we often don't want to listen. Yeah. To the kids. Yeah. Don't want to listen to them. They some sometimes they know better. Yeah. And so for um, those that don't know what the the, the policy is, uh, is that you had to use the bathroom to which you were born, whatever race you were, I mean, whatever sex you were born, um, you had to use the pronouns to whatever sex you were born. You couldn't change your name unless your parents said so. Um, And you got parental approval. Yeah, yeah. This is a a reversal. Yeah. Um, And again, um, progress backlash. Um, uh, The previous governor and and the previous um, legislature, General Assembly, um, uh, approved, set a, set a template, um, approved a model, um, took action so that trans kids could mm-hmm. use the bathroom um, that was not yeah. the one they were assigned at birth. Yeah. Um, There are schools, lots of school districts are resisting this mm-hmm. um, um, in Virginia. And um, Governor Youngkin um, is kind of unilaterally taking it upon himself to attempt to reverse this, even though state law and federal precedent is not on his side. Mm-hmm. We still have um, the federal case of um, Gavin Grimm, Gloucester mm-hmm. student, that until uh, the Supreme Court rules otherwise, and they, they took a pass the last time, that's the law of the land. And the law of the land for trans kids is access um, um, to the bathroom of their choice and pronouns mm-hmm. um, not tied to what they were assigned at birth. And um, the governor, you know, even though he hedges it and what he's decreed, seems to be trying to unilaterally reverse this. Yeah. You know, and, and and legal experts are saying, well, no, you you got this is the, the law. The legislature did this. It's up to the legislature to undo it. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, but we we got a lot of that too. We got governors acting like dictators. We got Ron DeSantis in Florida firing firing um, a prosecutor, if my memory serves, who just because he disagreed with his policies. And, you know, this is a person who was duly elected by his jurisdiction. So, you know, and we know what the previous president, he was what he was trying to do as a wannabe dictator who didn't want to accept the loss of an election. Um, But that's not supposed to be how America works. And um, I, pl- I applaud these kids. We need to listen to these kids. They, um, the, the school districts are not serving them in, in the way that they try to um, uh, keep them from exercising their First Amendment rights. They hide behind um, classroom disruption and, and, and all this. He, the, these kids are learning more about how government works. Yeah in the democratic <laughs> process through their protest, and they yeah. will learn sitting in a damn classroom. You're right about that, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, these schools, a lot of these school districts are showing a level of cowardice um, that, frankly, is kind of, again, you know, part of our history, too. Yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, it, you know, when they, if you're trying to, 
um, oppress these kids and oppress the students that would support their stance. Uh, uh, it's not just the students who are being political. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Gloucester, there's a, a town near Gloucester called Matthews County. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about progress going backwards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they have um, <laughs> a monument yeah, that is, is still up. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there, there's some. Virginia, Virginia, I should note, had more Confederate monuments than any state in the country. Yeah. And we took a heck of a lot of them down. We, if my memory serves, we may have removed more monuments up to this point mm-hmm. than any state in the country. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot, there are a lot of them still up. Yeah. And um, you can hardly go to a courthouse in Virginia, especially rural Virginia, where you won't see a monument to the Confederate dead, mm-hmm. a memorial to the Confederate dead. Um, there is a monument outside the historic courthouse in Matthews, the Courthouse Green, mm-hmm. just right outside. And um, there was a referendum um, in 2021 on whether it should be relocated. And Matthews is a very Republican, very conservative county, Mm -hmm. and they voted probably three to one, um, at least, to retain that Confederate monument at its current site. Mm -hmm. You know, people I talked to out there say that it's, it's, um, that, Virginia flaggers or other organizations are just very aggressive out there in, in placing Confederate monuments about the gateways to into the county. Um, there's a high school or a middle school, I believe, um, with a sign talking about the, um, oh, what was the program um, to educate black kids. Um, I'm drawing a blank right mm-hmm. now. There, it was a historical program in which um, to intensely educate black kids. Mm-hmm. And there's a historic sign there. And right across the street from this school and, and this sign is, you can see a Confederate flag. So uh, there was a time when lots of little tiny Confederate flags decorated the memorial at the courthouse green. And, and, and people, there were people there who did not like that. Yeah. And... Um, it was stated at the meeting by the board chairman that there had not been any Confederate flags, little ones, out there at the courthouse green site for a couple of months. But what the Confederate groups are trying to do is get the county to deed them this little piece of the courthouse green <coughs> where the memorial is to, as a means to protect it. Yeah. You know, it's not enough that people have voted. To keep it. To keep it because that, that, that there's a sense that the referendum is non-binding mm-hmm. and that someday Matthew somehow will reinvent itself as Berkeley on the Chesapeake <laughs> <laughs> and they will remove the monument. Or uh, somebody could or, take it or, down as we as we saw here. In oh, yeah, or somebody could. It doesn't could, take much. To yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they want to protect it. Yeah. And, and that involves ownership. So they, they want to own a piece of the courthouse green where this memorial is. And they're, the NAACP and civil rights groups in Washington and, and, and lawyers in Washington are saying, oh, heck no. Mm. Um, if you want to send a signal uh, of unwelcome, you do this, you pull this sort of stunt. Mm. 
Um, this is this is still before the Matthews board. They haven't made a decision yet. Mm. But um, it's the sort of tactic that suggests that um, this battle um, over the monuments is far from over. Far from over. Lastly, um, just this week, University of Richmond Law School officially took T.C. Williams' name off of their law school. Um, they, have, they did six previous um, people that were known to be owners of slaves, and this was the last one. Um, T.C. Williams um, was, a, was a law student, but his family gave a lot of money in order to have it named after him. Um, is that enough? You know, just just taking the the, the, the names off these buildings is, is that enough? No, it's not enough. Yeah. Um, it's and that's the that's the conundrum, um, and and that's not the only example of um, families. Um, you, 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 it's hard. It's easy to find well wealthy, well connected families giving a lot of money to these particular institutions whose family histories. Involve enslavement, yeah. and the institution itself um, w uh, is grounded in enslavement. Yeah. Um, it, it was built on the site of a former plantation, mm -hmm. so there's all sorts of history there. Um, changing the names, removing the names, and and that was a struggle on that campus mm -hmm. a few a couple of years ago. Um, they. Um, made a half-hearted effort. They, after a lot of study, um, they made a half-hearted gesture to um, uh, name a dorm that was named for Douglas Southall Freeman, who was mm -hmm. a, you might call him a lost cause historian. Mm -hmm. um, they attached, attached John Mitchell's name, John Mitchell Jr.'s name, to that dorm. So it was Mitchell Freeman Hall or Freeman Mitchell Hall. I can't remember which name came first. And mm -hmm. people were like, oh, no. Yeah. That's like Lee Jackson King Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, gosh. And so, um, yeah, there was, there, there was a lot of unhappiness among the, the students of color and a lot of um, their white allies on the campus about um, that turn of events. So it, it seems like more recently the university has been more forthright in, in stripping some of these names. Um, and it's no small thing to strip a name, you know, from a family that gave you millions and millions and tens and millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah. But um, you you it, it you'd want money to flow into that gesture um, uh, as a form of reparation beyond just the removal of a name, mm -hmm. um, perhaps. Some of these very wealthy families who who gave might give more uh, as a form of reparation. Yeah, um, mm. you know we we say that word um, and people instantly get their backs up. They do, but um, you know we've got to recognize the reality that there's a lot of wealth in this country that came on the backs of black people that hasn't flowed back to black people. Yeah, and removing a name. Uh, in and of itself is not reparations. After the monuments, a real talk about race, Michael Paul Williams, Kelly Lemon, you could catch this 
um, podcast at richmond.com. But more importantly, make sure you check out Michael Paul's columns in Richmond Times Dispatch and also over at richmond.com. After the Monuments is a Virginia Video Network production and produced by Matt Petilli, Michael Paul Williams, and me, Kelly Lemon. Technical direction and editing from Bill Barksdale. Executive production from Paul Farrell, Diane Salvatore, and Paige Mudd. Will Royer provides studio support. Our artwork is by Krishna Mattis. I'm Kelly Lemon, and we'll see you next week on After the Monuments.